With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Welcome to Affected by Altitude, post-All-Star Break Edition. As always, I am Mac Wilcox, joined by my two associates, Evan Lang. How's it going? And Skylar Timmons. Howdy. Thank you for tuning in. This is a podcast hosted by Purple Row, the Rockies affiliation of SB Nation. We have a few different things we want to cover today, but we'll always start with an icebreaker as we do. And so the obvious one that we're going to start with coming out of the All-Star break, I'll start with Evan, Skyler after. What was your guys' favorite single moment of the All-Star break? Evan, you went to all three days. So which of the days like was your favorite? Which is your favorite single moment? Uh, probably the most fun overall was the Home Run Derby itself. Though all three days were awesome. I had a fantastic time. The single moment, though, has got to be Herman Marquez getting a standing ovation after his uh, one-two-three inning in the actual All-Star game. Yeah, because that's our boy. That's our boy out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's very true, man. It was great to see him do so well out there. Skyler, what's your pick? Uh, Evan took mine, but I do have another <laughs> one. Uh, just Vladimir Guerrero's just monstrous blast. Yeah, uh, was just. I love seeing that, and you know, with Vladdy and just what he's doing this season, and then just reminded me of how much I miss just that overwhelming power threat at Coors Field, and mm-hmm. you know, it was fun to see Vladdy just blast one almost to the concourse. Absolutely, and that home run ended up winning him the MVP award for the All-Star Game, youngest to ever win that, so that was fantastic to see. Joins his dad hitting home runs in the All-Star Game. My favorite was uh, also during the Derby, and it was just really cool to see when Trevor Story took his first break in the first round, to see him surrounded by Herman Marquez and also Nolan Arenado. I just thought that was really a cool moment. Um, You know, just given everything, I thought that was a really cool uh, little visual, uh, seeing all those three guys together. Awesome. Thank you both. Uh, Let's hop right into it. And... Obviously, we're going to talk about the All-Star break and how it went down. The move from Atlanta to Colorado, very controversial at the time, but obviously we here in Denver, very happy to see the game brought to this venue. We just discussed that we all had our All-Star experiences, so for those that don't know, Evan went to all three days uh, of the break. I only went to the last two. I saw the Derby and also the All-Star break. Skyler was mentioning in our uh, little Teams channel that we have that Skyler stayed at home with his family and watched it. Um, so just kind of a general breakdown. What did you guys think of the All-Star break? What were your highlights? Uh, 
did any individuals stand out to you at all? And just to kind of wrap up, was the all-star break what you wanted it to be here in Denver? Skylar, I'll let you go first. Uh, I, I think it was. It was what, every, what I thought it would be, and I think what everybody else thought it would be. And, you know, while we give the Rockies a lot of flack for the way they run their organization, they did a fantastic job from what it looked like from afar, you know, even from sitting on my couch that, it was a fantastic event that yeah. everybody seemed to love. Everybody had a lot of fun with and a lot of great reception. It shined a great spotlight on the city of Denver and Coors Field and, you know, kind of the the Rockies. I guess the good thing about the Rockies is that they're really good at, like, <laughs> event planning or, yeah. like, you know, development. The business end of things, not so much the baseball aspects at the moment, but the business end they're pretty good at. Mm-hmm. And so putting that, that bright shining light on it and – it was fun. I think, like we mentioned before, that highlight of the home run derby, I think everybody was already looking forward to it, and it just blew out everybody's expectations and was exactly what everybody thought it was going to be. And, no, that was my favorite part, is just sitting there, even at home, just the the excitement and, you know, that, that anxiety of if Trey Mancini or, or Joey Gallo were going to pass Trevor Story yeah. in their respective rounds or even – no, rooting for Shohei Otani when he goes into a swing off against Juan Soto, mm. and Soto blasts three balls, and so <laughs> Shohei Otani has no chance to to make a mistake, and of course he lines the first one out. So it, it, I think overall, just a fun event. I haven't really paid attention much to the All Star Game as in past years, but this year, just all eyes on it and. I had a great time, even just sitting on my couch in my underpants. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Evan? Uh, I thought, I agree that the uh, Colorado Rockies as an organization did a really, really good job with this. The um, stands were packed pretty much all three days, though the uh, Futures game and Celebrity Softball game probably had the least amount of people, which they were missing out because day one was really really fun the futures game was absolutely fantastic love getting to cheer for our boys out there and that uh michael totally a home run was so good first pitch just absolute Mm. no doubter and then the celebrity softball game was a whole lot of fun there in person Uh, i've heard mixed things about the tv broadcasts but in person it was a really really good time yeah it was Uh, great Vinny castillo (laughs) with his home run that was almost a real home run Mm-hmm. was amazing. Uh, I was really disappointed that Larry Walker, unfortunately, had to drop out due to contracting COVID. Right. Just because probably the thing I was looking forward to the most of the whole weekend was that I was going to get a chance to meet Larry Walker, and that unfortunately didn't happen. For those but... that don't know, Evan Lang is a Larry Walker guy. I mean, this is your dude. He's my childhood hero. He's my favorite mm. baseball player of all time. I really, really was... Looking forward to meet him, but, you know, stuff out of your control. Hopefully, sure. maybe I'll get another chance when he comes around in September. I did get to take a photo of myself with a life-size standee of Larry, so <laughs> Which that's is almost as good. Just about as good, yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, Larry, if you're available, you know, you're you're not feeling so great, come on the podcast, man. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, that would be incredible. How about that, huh? Probably impossible, but incredible. <laughs> um, the Home Run Derby was, I think, the highlight of everybody's weekend. Multiple 500-plus-foot home runs. 
Um, Trevor's story reuniting with Nolan again and having him mm-hmm. in his corner with Erman was really cool. Yeah. And you got to see, especially in person, just what a test of endurance the home run derby is, which yeah. is why it was incredible that Trey Mancini made it to the final round because the dude's less than a year removed from being out due to stage three cancer. Mm-hmm. And he made it to the final round. And Pete Alonzo won, if you didn't know, Pete Alonzo crushed just a ton of home runs he's definitely got the endurance for it because he was just cranking them one after the other and while you were watching story in his uh second round you could see him turn around to the guys in his corner and be like this is so hard yeah because just power swing after power swing even with batting practice pitches is pitches is it's hard to keep up with how are you gonna you know, do that for so long. And that's why a lot of people I think tend to drop out of the Derby or not do the Derby is because it's such an endurance thing that, you know, they don't want to put that extra stress on themselves when they need to be ready to go for the second half of the season. That's why, uh, Vladdy Jr. Didn't participate. And I totally understand that. Right. Um, the actual all-star game was fantastic. Whole lot of fun, nice packed crowd, um, Erman and Nolan getting big Colorado standing ovations was fabulous. Really, really cool to see. Um, looks like, uh, Nolan had some additional emotions and things from that, from sort of his final big ovation of his return to Coors Field after that series week or so ago against St. Louis here in Colorado, where I think he does, you know, fully understand now just how much we in Colorado loved and will continue to love him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on the other side of things, the Playball Park down at the convention center was really, really cool. Uh, lots of great exhibits, lots of walking and standing. Unfortunately, <laughs> I stood in line to meet Rolly Fingers for well over an hour. It was 100% worth it, but yeah. it was murder on the feet and legs. Uh, The Negro League exhibit was really cool, as was the Hall of Fame exhibit and the trophies and stuff like that. Really, really just a bunch of cool stuff there at Playball Park. Also got to meet uh, Preston Wilson and Chris Iannetta, who were on my childhood and early teen Rockies teams. Really, really, really cool experience. I had a fantastic time. Like Outside of a couple little nitpicks and a couple minor things that happened, one of the best weekends of my life by far. I had just an amazing time. Hung out with some cool friends. Got to meet a lot of the Purple Row people. Mac, I know you you and I didn't get to uh, meet up at any point during the weekend, but we'll get we'll our chance. We'll link up, though. Yeah, we'll Absolutely. link up. Yeah, man. I, yeah, it was a blast. I think you're both spot on. For me, I've never been to anything like that. Uh, the All-Star Game, the All-Star Weekend, any of that. For me, it was the, just the pageantry of it. Skyler mentioned that unbelievable first round uh, sudden death elimination with Otani and with Juan Soto. It was so crazy to see. Trevor Story hit a 518-foot home run, and it was the nuttiest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And then 10 minutes later, Juan Soto hit a 520. And I'm like, what even is this anymore? Like, what what do you even do? And for me, too, it was just at the All-Star game, I do think that the home run derby was the highlight of, like, the fun but I think the the All-Star game itself would have had the opening package with celebrating the life of Hank Aaron and seeing his widow there was really, really special. I think just seeing all the different fans and all the different jerseys 
we wrote in our recent article on the site, all of us kind of mentioned our all-star game experiences. And that was my favorite one was just getting to meet from all these different walks of life, different fan bases. Some guys flew in, some guys drove down. I met a couple fans from uh, Japan that had flown in just to see Otani. So it was fantastic. I really do think, especially when it was such a quick turnaround, you know, like you guys said that Denver and Coors Field staff did such a great job of really jumping on board and really taking ownership of this situation. And I do think they killed it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, and then um, Peyton Manning absolutely coming out and did everybody a favor. I think I'm pretty certain Larry Walker was supposed to throw out the first sure. pitch of the All-Star game. Um, and so getting Todd Helton out there with Peyton Manning wearing a Larry Walker jersey was, I think, uh, a pretty good cover for yeah. that because, you know, Colorado loves Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning loves Colorado. Plus, uh, Todd Helton and Peyton Manning, old college teammates at the University right. of Tennessee, which was that really cool. That is very cool. cool. Yeah, I think it was great. And I do need to – I have to put this out there because I am part of the problem and I am an absolute <laughs> hypocrite. I purchased an All-Star oh, jersey. Oh, wow. The truth comes out. So we're holding interviews and applications <laughs> for a new host of Affected by Altitude. I really appreciate the five episodes I've gotten to be part of all this <laughs> It's been for. real. Uh, <laughs> it's been great. Uh, no, I, I don't. In person, honestly, they are not nearly as bad as... They looked online. They're not mm. great. They're definitely not great. But the main reason I got one is because this is my chance to sort of represent Herman. I got an Herman Marquez All-Star jersey. Um, I got the the basic one, not the crazy $500 authentic whatever. Mm. But And then I wore it on the actual All-Star game because, you know, you never know when the next time someone's going to be an All-Star. And... Herman's one of my favorite dudes on the team, one of my favorite pitchers in the league. And I really just, I didn't want to miss the opportunity to get the jersey with his name on the back for the All-Star game. And I know it's incredibly hypocritical. And I do still stand by that these are not good jerseys. But I'm part of the problem. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> look, it's... It's fun. It's all fun in the end. We hey, which jersey did you get by the way? AL or I guess you got the NL one. So that's the yeah. I got the uh, Herman Marquez National League All Star. I do jersey. think the National League ones were better than the American League ones, at least for me. I think I that, agree. Yeah, 100%. that's the better choice. Hey, it's all fun and games at the end, man. What what matters is you got a piece of history, and you can show that to people years from now. That like, yeah, I was there and I got the jersey of my favorite pitcher at an All Star game. That's look at the end of the day whether or not it's what we wanted the jerseys to look like that's pretty awesome so i can i can appreciate that and, and i i had just a couple more highlights too jumping <laughs> jumping off of that uh is i was cracking up you know because watching the broadcast at home and notably i'm not the biggest joe buck fan and but the funniest thing was them trying to interview players during yeah. the game but specifically, like, while Fernando Tatis Jr. is going up to the plate to face Shohei Otani or, or whoever the pitcher was at the time, and Joe Buck's trying to, like, talk to him in his ear, and you can tell he's just like, shut up. Like, <laughs> get out of play. my ear. And 
It was the same he, with Chris Bryant, who was out in the field, and they were Joe Buck was like, "So, what do you think about the fact that you're probably going to be traded?" Aww. Yeah, and he did not look very pleased Yikes. about that. But the the funniest thing was Liam Hendricks. No, I don't know who mics up the closer when he's coming in to pitch the very end of the game, but <laughs> Liam Hendricks, you know, he can't hear the booth, so he doesn't think the microphone's working, but we can all hear him. And the very first pitch he throws, he just lets out like a gosh dang it, <laughs> but <laughs> just swearing, yeah. swearing up a storm. A oh, notoriously foul-mouthed Australian closer mic'd up. Who thought that was a good idea? I mean, it's a tremendous idea. It's, it's a great idea. But from the broadcast perspective of things, Maybe you're probably going to see some fines. But then the other thing, uh, one at the Celebrity All Star game, like watching it on TV, yeah, that broadcast wasn't great. Uh, at least they showed what was happening. I've always seemed like in years past they just cut through a bunch of weird highlights and stuff. But <laughs> watching like the Miz just blowing up <laughs> on people who were bunting in the softball game, he was blowing a gasket about that. I thought he was about to have like a heart attack or something. He was intense. But the funniest thing was tuning into the draft and just every time Rob Manfred came out, just getting maliciously it, booed. He? They really did let him have it. And he, he, could t- he like tried to laugh it off, but I, I partly felt bad for him, but it was also just yeah. so funny just for him to come out to that every single time during that first yeah, round. Yeah, the fans at the draft definitely uh, let Manfred know how they felt about his uh, managing, which is neither, you know, that is their right to do so. Speaking of, little segue because we're professionals here. Uh, we don't are not going to talk too much about the draft today, but definitely make sure you check into our sister podcast, The Pebble Report. Justin Wick and uh, Kenneth Weber are going to do a great job of breaking down the draft and all of the action around Mo- Rockies minor league baseball. So make sure you guys give them a listen. They're doing a great job of just breaking everything down, talking about the Rockies' future and uh, everything that that entails. So a little plug for those guys. The main thing I want to say about the draft, and it's – very stupid and very fun is that the Rockies drafted two guys named Evans. (laughs) And so naturally I am 100% in their corner for their entire careers. Now any, anyone named Evan in the league, I've always got their back. Uh, Evan white over in Seattle. And now we have two Evans on the minor league pitching staff. That is fun. Um, and then yeah, Kenneth and Justin are fabulous. I got to meet them over the all-star weekend. Really great guys. Go ahead and check out their, podcast when you get a chance it's great absolutely so bottom line all-star weekend big success i think we're all very very happy with that let's do it again soon let's just keep the derby in course field every year we'll keep it we'll keep it uh keep the ball jumping so unfortunately as our conversation about the all-star break comes to an end and the break itself ends we do have to get back to the reality of regular season baseball and just talk about what the rock is going to do in the second half there's a lot to talk about obviously but I guess I want to start really with understanding that the Rockies, you know, start today. They are in fourth place. Um, obviously, the Arizona Dimebacks having a season that they and their fans would love to forget. But Rockies start today, Friday, at 40 and 51. They are set to begin the second half of the season hosting the Dodgers here at Coors Field before they travel. Um, they got to go, go on a long road trip to, uh, in the end of the month. So... I guess my question for both of you guys is what do you want out of the second half of the season? I know that's a very open-ended question. There's a lot of talk about trades, which we'll get into here in a little bit afterwards, but 
what is your expectation of the Rockies? What's your best case scenario? What do you want to see? Just a general, what do you want out of this second half of the season? Evan, I'll start with you. So I'm not expecting us to really turn it around and make a big push for a playoff berth or something like that. You know, the Rockies are the Rockies this year. They're not going to be making that kind of a big push. What I want to see and what we hopefully saw is some competence on Mm. the road because the Rockies still have the worst road record in baseball, but with two wins against the San Diego Padres to close out the first half, finally got their first road series win of the season. And that, I think, is hopefully a sign of more competent play on the road because we really need them to... They don't need to win every game. They don't need to turn it around and all of a sudden have this incredible stretch and make the playoffs. It'd be cool if they did, but honestly, that probably wouldn't be very good for the team in the long run because as averse to making changes as the front office is, they'd be even more averse to making changes if all of a sudden the Rockies went from, you know, a basement-dwelling team to a playoff team in the same season. Yeah. Uh, but we're sitting at 9-34 and 34 to kick off the second half of the season on the road. And all I would like to see is just evidence that they're starting to and continuing to put things together. Because if we continue the way that we did in the first half on the road, at the current pace, we might not be the worst road team in baseball history, which, what is it, the 1935 Boston Mm. Braves with only 13 road wins. But that's still a possibility. That's still not off the books at this point. And that would just be, you know, real miserable. Yeah. Another thing that I want to see the Rockies do this year is actually not stand pat at the deadline. I know that the deadline's only in a Mm -hmm. couple weeks. Deadline is on July 30th. But as much as I hate to say it, if they are not convinced that they are going to be re-signing Trevor Story, then he needs to not be a Rocky anymore on August 1st. Mm. I hate saying it, but it is the best case scenario for this team, if he is not returning, that we actually get some sort of a return for him. Same thing for John Gray, same thing for uh, all the players on one-year deals right now, CJ Krohn, Michael Givens, even Daniel Bard. The Rockies need to be smart about getting returns on these guys. And, heck, maybe there's even a cool possibility of doing something like you trade John Gray for some prospects, and then he's still a free agent at the end of the season, and maybe he comes back then after that. Just a quick rental, and we can re-sign him. Something like that. But it's something that they need to do, and it's something that needs to be done either starting this week, because we're already seeing some trades get made. Um, The Cubs moved Jock Peterson to the Braves. We've seen a couple other ones. We're hearing a lot of trade talk starting to pick up right now. But at the end of the day, no matter what the front office says, the smart thing to do is to be sellers at the deadline and potentially even sell a lot 
uh, and it would it would stink. It stinks to see guys go, especially you know the likes of Trevor Story or John Gray. But it is much better to get a trade done than to risk the lottery of a collective bargaining draft pick or something like that. It's like um, what is it the the mystery box? Ooh, they're we could trade Trevor Story for some prospect, or we could trade him for this mystery box. What's anything could be in the box, even some <laughs> prospects. So it's like, I don't know. It, it's tough because you don't want to see them leave. Of of course, I don't want to see Trevor Story leave. I want to see him be a Rocky for life, same as I wanted Nolan to be. But it's also but a business. That's yeah. It's what needs to be done right yeah. now. And not doing that or failing to make moves at the deadline is going to set this team back farther than it already has been set back. Yeah, I think it's great. I I think you nailed that. And especially when you talk about how it's important for us to understand that, yeah, obviously we'd want to keep all these guys forever. These are the guys that we've watched for years now, but... You nailed it. It was like one of the first things you said. If they are not planning on re-signing him to a long-term deal, there is no reason to just let him walk at the end of the season. Like, you have to get something back for him. I think that that's spot on. Skyler? Uh, no, Evan pretty much covered it all. Uh, I don't have much else to yeah. add to that. Just, yeah, they just need to figure out what they're going to do and what their plan is for the future. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, yeah, Evan really broke it down really well. And especially when you get into situations like, you know, you have to kind of have – I want to be careful how I phrase this. I'm not a general manager. I will never be a general manager. I will never understand the intricacies of what it takes to run a Major League Baseball team. But when you have a season like the Rockies are having, it's probably safe to say that they're not making the playoffs, right? It's not exactly a hot take to say – that they are not going to be in playoff contention. And so as hard as it might be for uh, the prospect of losing people like that, like a Trevor Story or like a John Gray, you know, or whoever it might be, these are things we need to be prepared for months in advance of the season ending. So, yeah, Evan, I think you absolutely nailed it. I got nothing else other than that. Uh, let's go ahead and take a minute. Let's go ahead and get an ad break in here. When we come back uh, regarding trades, we got quotes uh, from the – Jana Manager of the Rockies, Bill Schmidt, we want to get into. And then we're going to talk a little bit of uh, around the MLB. Speaking of trades, there have been some movement going on for some other teams we're going to get into. And then just kind of talk about a sort of wrap-up of the season before we get into the second half. So stick with us through this break. We'll be back here before too long. Catch you in a little bit. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking through that break uh, with us. We were just discussing prior to that little ad break uh, sort of the idea of the Rockies potentially moving Trevor Story or even John Gray. And so the next sort of step from that is we recently heard from the Rockies interim general manager, very possibly set to be the general manager for the future by the name of Bill Schmidt. And one quote specifically stuck out. Uh, If you guys have not checked out Skyler's Twitter, he made a great meme about it that had me dying earlier. But... He said that the Rockies are not a farm team for other teams. And what that means is that he is basically implying that the Rockies are not just developing players so that they can be moved to other teams. And I don't know. Do you guys think that's true? Skyler's meme had a pretty good breakdown 
of a lot of players that have been developed by the Rockies before being moved to other teams. We, you know, we've obviously got players like Arenado, DJ LeMayhew, Adam Adovino, even younger players like David Dahl and Mike Talkman and Tom Murphy. Not necessarily all these players are upper echelon all-stars year after year, but all these players are probably above average at their best points, which I guess is like a weird way of saying that. But, you know, what do you think? Are the Rockies... I'll start with you, Skylar, because, you know, your meme made me laugh. Uh, are the Rockies a farm team for other teams? Why or why not? Uh, in the past, that's kind of been the trend because that's kind of the old joke that any player that leaves the Rockies immediately becomes better. And, you know, or even those small market teams are just feeding grounds and you know, breeding grounds for the big market teams to pick and choose who they want and who they need so they can go win a championship. That's why you always get a trade rumors and the Yankees are connected to every single person in Major League Baseball because they're the big money team that needs the improvements. But uh, so I think in the past and the record – Kind of has been that the Rockies, you know, are a farm, farm system for other people, at the major league yeah. level. Now, if Bill Schmidt was saying this strictly from the standpoint of, that's not how we're going to be anymore, then hey, that's great. I will back that one hundred percent. But the problem is, is you can't say that when you're in the midst of a mediocre season, you know, where you're not really going to make the playoffs. You already traded away your superstar third baseman and your superstar shortstop and one of your best pitchers are also uh, on the on the trading block, ready to go, and may or may not sign back. So it, to make those comments, it's, it's a rough part of the season and kind of a rough situation. I understand where he's coming from. You no, know, he's a businessman. You don't want to you know, you uh, show your cards too much or expose your hand. I want to keep it close to the chest, but no. <laughs> It's just a funny comment because you can look back at the past and all these guys that have kind of improved or found a spot on other teams and contributed, whereas they were just kind of wasted at points with the Rockies in some aspects. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right, though. I, yeah, he, it might be. I think it's good to contextualize what Skyler just said as well because – it might be a situation where he is trying to say that the Rockies going forward are not going to be a farm team for other teams. I think it's really good that you mentioned that because this quote can be read, read a couple different ways, right? And so I agree with you. I hope that that is the plan, or I guess I hope that that is not the plan going forward, that they will not just supplement other teams. We'll see. Evan? Well, I think... So, first of all, the... Like Skyler said, the feeling like you're a farm team for all the big market teams is just sort of always going to be how it is for small market teams because we just don't have the same resources that teams like the Dodgers or the Yankees are going to have. Um, and if the general viewpoint is we're not going to be that any longer, then great. But my concern is that he's more looking at, oh, well, we don't want to trade Trevor Story because then that'll continue to push the viewpoint that we're just a farm team for better teams. Because if that's the case, it's the absolute most wrong-headed way to go about the deadline. And I mm -hmm. get that maybe you're 
you know, holding your cards close to your chest. You don't want to play your hand too early or anything like that. But it is so much better, even though it stinks to do, to send Trevor Story or somebody off to a bigger market team making a playoff push for a decent haul of prospects than to have him walk and get nothing. Right. And, and like I said earlier, that's especially when you have these tough decisions to make. You do have to still make them. And if that was the point that he was trying to make, then it's a bad point. And it's another reason why I think that you know Bill Schmidt as the general manager permanently is not a very good scenario. Because I don't necessarily think that it's, oh, as soon as they leave the Rockies, they get better. I think it's more of, as soon as they leave the Rockies, they get recognition. Mm. Nolan Arenado was incredible for the Rockies, and now he's very good for the Cardinals. The difference there is that now he's on a much more national stage. A lot of the issues with, say, the All-Star game this year, even though the Rockies had several players that one could call deserving are not really well known on a national stage. Like you ask a random person who Rymel Tapia is, and they're probably not going to know. It's the same for, you know, Matt Holiday was fairly well known in Colorado, but then he goes to St. Louis and now he's on a more national scale. Sometimes, sometimes it really is that they do get better. Uh, Tom Murphy finally getting a chance to play, consistently in Seattle has showed that he is a good catcher. Mike Talkman finally getting better development and getting consistent playing time with the Yankees and now with the Giants does show that he's improved versus when he was in Colorado. But for a lot of our bigger name guys, I don't think it's necessarily that they're better. Like DJ LeMahieu is not, you know, better is not incredible compared to when he was with the Rockies. But now look at the stage that he's on. He's he was with the, he's with the New York Yankees, the one of the most popular teams in all of baseball, and one of the biggest media markets in all of baseball. Versus the Rockies, who you also don't get a lot of media attention nationally if you're not very good. And mm-hmm. consistently, the Rockies really haven't been. So I definitely think that. It's a wrong-headed approach to go, oh, we're not going to be viewed as a farm team for other teams because, one, it's the responsibility of the front office to shrug off or get rid of that perception by building a better team that plays better baseball. But secondly, that the way I look at it, it's not necessarily true. And that's always the joke of, ha-ha, the Rockies are a quadruple-A team all of their players are just fodder for other teams or they get better when they go to other teams. Sure. And a lot of small market teams are going to deal with that. To the most extreme degree, it's the Tampa Bay Rays, who every couple of years are calling up a bunch more new prospects as they trade away the current crop of starters because that's just what they do. They're a notoriously cheap organization who, once players start getting to the level where they're going to need to get paid a lot of money, it's time to ship them out for a cheap prospect that will still be good and will help the team win games, but it's not necessarily going to, um, you know, 
help the fan base or anything like that. And I think the Rockies have been very lucky in that over the years they have had a great deal of players that are very, very fondly remembered or even beloved in Colorado. And I do understand the point. We've had plenty of times, especially during some of our darker seasons, where you look back and go, man, who was on that team? But you need to be smart with the decisions you're making. And yeah, Trevor Story... Like I said earlier, if he is not guaranteed to be on this team next year, then he needs to be traded because then we at least get something. We have some sort of tangible return. And that is for yes. any player who is going to be gone at the end of the season that we don't think is going to be here. I think part of it, too, is obviously soreness about the Arenado situation, which makes sense, and we're not going to get into the intricacies of that but i think part of it is that a lot of times fans feel that the rockies lose some of these upper echelon players and to your point evan don't really get much back t jilla mayhew walked adam Adovino walked right trevor story and john gray could potentially walk and there's no reason for that to happen right like you just mentioned getting these tangible results with arenado it wasn't what would have been preferred, obviously. It's, that's, you know, goes without saying. But at least we got the return of somebody like Austin Gomber, who is currently hurt, but has pitched okay, right? He's been pretty solid for the Rockies. But we have so many of these instances where that's not the case. I just mentioned those players earlier where both of you guys said it. If John Gray and Trevor Story just leave and nothing comes back for the Rockies, I think that's a far bigger issue than even... And I don't know, this might be like a hot take or whatever, but like, I think it would be worse for the Rockies to have Trevor Story and John Gray leave on their own uh, and just, and you know, leave based off of their contracts expiring and nothing else than trading away Nolan Arenado because of that tangible result of bringing back Gomber and those other prospects that they got in the deal. It's not a very good trade anyway, but at least there is something coming back. And I think that's what it hurts. And this is just me. Like, I'm not speaking for anybody else. This is just my take on it. I think that's the hardest part of all of this is that there are, there is such an extensive history of these players leaving and there is no return. I think you're totally right in that. So I get that maybe the front office is hesitant because the incredible backlash about the Nolan Arenado trade and then trading sure. like Trevor Story and John Gray, but sure. so many other people who just walk and go to different yeah. teams. Like we got nothing for DJ LeMayhew. And that was after he said that he wanted to stay. And then how much worse is it? I think than trading them to have it, to have it show that Trevor story and John Gray and other free agents leaving just don't want to be here by letting them walk in mm -hmm. free agency and then getting nothing, getting at best a, a CBA pick or something like that. It looks so much worse, at least in my opinion, to have it look like players don't want to be here. That's a really good point too, that, yeah, I, yeah, that's, there's, there's players that have said that they want to be here. Um, I don't know what's, what's realistic. What is a what is a decent return? It's hard because it's so 
it's so encapsulating. There are so many different trade opportunities, but regardless of which one you pick, like at least something coming back, and we haven't seen that happen. What do you think, Skyler? Is is letting the these players walk worse than even making a bad trade, or do you think it's better that they have the opportunity to resign? What's your opinion on this? It just the hard thing with baseball is it just they have to make these decisions with two months left in the season. Yeah, and no teams like the Rockies. Yeah, you can comfortably say, yeah, we're not in contention this year, uh, and so go ahead and and get ready to trade away those guys because like you said, there's nothing they're playing for. The reason, no, you don't get anything back for DJ LeMahieu or Adam Ottavino because you're in the midst of a playoff run. And you need those guys. So, of yeah. course, you're not trading them away. And that's the risk you, you know. Like the Dodgers trading for Manny Machado in 2018 with the intent that we're getting him, we're making our run to the playoff, making the run to the World Series. They don't win the World Series. Uh, and that's the gamble that you take sometimes when you're a competitive team. But the Rockies, as we see, they're not competitive right now. They're not in that mix. They're 12 games back of a wild card with a lot better teams ahead of them. They're way in back in the in the division, and so it's understandable that they need to you know, realistically look for the best possible trades they can that they can get. They don't need to get lowballed, and right. so I know that's the the reasoning behind what Bill Schmidt has said before of like, you no, know, we want to make sure we get the best deal possible with Trevor's story. We're not just going to trade him for the sake of trading him because that's what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why partly I'm okay with them if they hold on to him post-trade deadline and extend the qualifying offer. Perfectly fine with me. I don't really care. But if they do, are able to trade either one of them or both of them, Trevor Story and John Gray and some of our other guys, to kind of restock the farm system and also get some pieces that can contribute here in the next like year or two, then they just need to do whatever is best for the organization to improve itself for the future. And, you know, put ca- throw caution to the wind. Who cares about backlash? They'll survive. People will still come to the games. Dick Monfort and Bill Schmidt, Greg Fiesel, they all just need to do what's best for the club. Put their feelings aside and just just do something. <laughs> just something to improve the team. Skyler, you mentioned something that's very important that we have not mentioned yet, and that's the qualifying offer, too. Because that does make a huge difference in some of these moves. And with the collective bargaining agreement being rediscussed, um, or I guess renegotiated uh, after this season, that is going to be yet another part of this that is going to potentially be changed. Uh, and it's interesting that you also mentioned that you were looking for players specifically that can contribute in the next couple of years. Do you think, Skyler, that it's important that the Rockies get more major league talent or at least major league close talent? Or if you're moving store, you're gray. Are you looking more for like, you know, single double layers that can contribute in the next like five ish years? Or are you looking for more like either major league ready or close to it? Where what's your preference? I think a good mixture of all of it. Yeah. Any of it. You know, ideally you want to trade away pieces and make sure you have pieces that can replace those you traded if it's in the form of whoever's coming in in the trade or you know the Rockies have a bad farm system one of the lowest ranked farm systems in the league and so you know looking through that organization and seeing what are our needs do we need somebody that's ready to go 
know, in our depth charts? Do we need somebody that's ready to go to fill in at shortstop or something right away? Or can we hold off, hey, we'll take some of these kind of middle, you know, middle minor league type guys who can contribute and, you know, in the next couple of years, maybe three to five years. Uh, and, and so it's looking for that good mixture. And that's the thing with trading and the deals and everything. Sometimes you got to take on a bad major league contract so you can offload one and make sure then you can get prospects. Uh, I don't envy these people that are making these decisions because I know it's difficult. Totally. So, but yeah, I, I think a good mixture, just whatever they feel is best to help the organization whether it's getting guys in the next couple of years or for the next that could help in the next couple of years or guys that you know are just a year or two removed or a spring training invite away from being a big contributor on the team. Yeah. Yeah, man, you said it when you said uh, you do not envy these guys because, man, I don't know about y'all, but I do not have the mental capacity for that kind of thing. Like, yeah, all power to these guys, man, because I got, I got no interest in making these kinds of high-level potentially franchise altering decisions that's a little bit too much uh sizzle on my stake any last minute thoughts on this before we move on any other bottom lines you guys want to get to the way i think about it is you need to determine the timeline for when you think the team is going to be competitive and i've seen some good estimates and i've seen some bad estimates i've seen some estimates where it's like they're at least five years out, if not worse. But there, are, you could be put a more positive spin on it, depending on making smart moves and restocking the farm system. If you get a good enough return for, say, Trevor Story with some double-A AA or triple-A level prospects that are close to major league ready, and you make smart personnel decisions, you could potentially, and I'm aware that this is being very optimistic, have this team contention ready by 2023 Mm. which is uh kind of an important year for the rockies because we'd be losing again a bunch more people and um then airman would only have i think a year left on his deal after the 2023 season more realistically i think no matter how you slice it this team's probably not going to be in any sort of contention until 2024 or 2025. And that's, you know, pretty far out, but you still need to look at if you are properly evaluating when this team can contend based on the moves you make, then that affects the moves that you are going to make. What kind of prospects you would be getting back for Story or for John Gray. And that was one of the the frustrating parts of the Arenado trade is that a lot of those guys are not particularly close to being ready. The closest is probably El Harris Montero, who's just now starting to put things together in double A. So you don't really know what the best move is until you've properly evaluated where you think you're going to be at. And I think, you know, I'm not a general manager. I don't think I would make a particularly good general manager. It's a, it's a tough job running a baseball team, but I want to hear the Rockies front office be honest in evaluating where they think they are going to be in the coming years because the Mariners, Seattle Mariners have been fairly bad recently, you know, 
but they're in the middle of a rebuild. And one thing that I really appreciate about their rebuild is how honest and upfront general manager Jerry DePoto was about everything that this is a rebuild. We're going to try and get rid of some bad contracts. We might take on some bad contracts, restock the farm team, and then see where we're at in a couple of years. And they're probably not, you know, a world series team at this point, but they're definitely getting better and closer to where they could be. The Mariners right now are over 500. They're five games over 500 with a record of 48 and 43. They have some really exciting young talent on their roster, like JP Crawford and Kyle Lewis. And they have the potential to even possibly make a wild card berth this year. Probably not, but they've been really open and forthcoming about their rebuild. And I know that it's, you know, damaging to the fans and potentially to your bottom line to say, hey, we're rebuilding. And that's just something the Rockies need to deal with. Be open and honest about where we are at and where we need to be at and where we're going to be at over the next couple of years. It's awesome. And you're right. You mentioned some names that could make a big difference in the future that just aren't quite there yet. And I think, like you said it too, it's one of those ones that you just have to kind of have a realistic idea of what your contention window is. Uh, yeah, nailed it. Great stuff, guys. Let's move on to uh, trades around the league. You know, uh, we've got the Cubs recently moved Jock Peterson over to Atlanta. Now, there is a strong estimation that the Cubs are going to be getting a fire sale, essentially, that they might move players like, you know, Jake Arrieta, they might move Chris Bryant, they could move Javier Baez, things like that. As the Cubs and these other sort of teams that may have thought they were contending but might not be, start to begin a fire sale, is there anyone you think the Rockies could pick up? Which I know sounds weird. Why would the Rockies buy at the deadline? I more just mean, are there any pieces that you think the Rockies could just hang on to for the rest of the season? Are there any, um, other than like a Trevor Story or a John Gray, which we've talked about potentially moving them, Anyone else the Rockies could potentially move? Uh, what's what's I guess what's the Rockies' moves at the deadline? Evan, again, I'll start with you on this one. I'll, I'll tell you between y'all both. But what do the Rockies do at the deadline? Okay, we talked about Trevor Story and John Gray. Anything else we haven't talked about? Uh, I think I mentioned it before, but C.J. Crone is a major candidate for getting moved. He's hitting fairly well this season. He's 31 and on a one-year deal. Very unlikely that he is the future of first base for this organization, especially with you know other prospects in the system and Colton Welker being, uh, once he comes off suspension this year, he's probably not going to be seen in the bigs in 2021, but being a major candidate to break camp with the Rockies after spring training in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Givens and Daniel Bard are also on one-year contracts. I can see them being shipped off to other bullpen needy teams. Though Daniel Bard, I could also see the Rockies hanging on to with the potential that he could probably sign a pretty cheap deal in the offseason and be a you know veteran presence in mm-hmm. the bullpen that we do need. Daniel Bard's not been amazing this season, but we need at least some pieces, especially with a very young and very inexperienced bullpen that's going to get younger and is trending younger um, with prospects and guys like that coming up. I don't see us really selling major parts of the rotation at this time other than John Gray. Um, Bud Black 
basically confirmed that Erman Marquez is off the table. I think Kyle Freeland and Antonio Sensatella are subsequently also off mm-hmm. the table. They've got enough time left in team controller arbitration that they're worth hanging on to. So it really is those guys. I think there's a there is a small risk of seeing some other players go depending on if the deal is right. Like, um, I don't know, you hate to say it, but if someone offers a really good deal for Rymel Tapia and he's in arbitration and you think it'd be better to have prospects versus pay Tapia uh, however much he's going to command in arbitration, uh-huh. then that might be a okay move to make. So I, I don't want to see that happen. I want us to stick with Tapia, but yeah, the, the major three outside of story and gray have got to be crone Givens, and bard. Okay. I like it. A little bullpen help for teams that might need it. Skylar, any other moves you're making? Uh, those same ones, uh, specifically one of my ideal teams is probably because I worked in their minor league system would be a, somehow find a deal with the angels, whether it's you know you send like John Gray and Michael Givens over there because the Angels always need pitching, yep. and then you get like some of their get at least one or two nice prospects back for them, and then some other guys. Uh, but honestly, I think one thing the team also needs to do is just kind of look, like we mentioned before, look at their roster depth because problem is the Rockies have had is that they kind of get log jammed, where you know, we've talked about before they then start wasting options on guys because, oh, we put them on the 40-man roster, oh, but we don't have a spot for them, mm-hmm. so let's send them back down because we have another guy who doesn't have any options. We need him on the big league club. Yeah. And so they sometimes hold on to some of these prospects for too long where they kind of lose their value or they end up losing them anyway. And so you know, if it takes trading away like Rymel Tapia – to another team that needs somebody to a leadoff hitter to get on base for him, and then that opens up a spot for some of the guys like a Ryan Vallade or you know Sam Hilliard again mm-hmm. opens a spot for them in the big league club because some of those guys are there's guys knocking on the door of the majors that are ready to come again and contribute. So just again like we're, with the Mariners or anything, look who you have coming up and find spots for them. You know, find spots for your prospects, even if you have to make those hard decisions. Trade somebody to get maybe a prospect or two back, do a swap like that. Yep. But I do agree, these guys that are on one-year deals, these veterans, send them off to teams that need help. You know, in a sense, be that <laughs> be that big league farm system, yeah. farm team for somebody else. Right. You know, because you know, they those guys sign those when you're those deals like that, so they can showcase and find a job somewhere. So, you know. Just figure it out, and they, I, you mentioned the Cubs, and that's exactly what they're doing. I think they realize that oh, we're not in contention. There's these guys, yeah, from our World Series team, but we're not going to be able to afford to pay Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant. We can't afford to pay all three of them, so we might need to ship them off so we can get prospects, build up our team, so we can make the next 108-year journey to the World Series. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, but really it's, it's figuring out, you know, those pieces, guys that can be moved, even, you know, a prospect or two, you know, we're not looking for high end stuff for CJ Crone. Sure. But, you know, look for a positional need, you know, 
find somebody who has extra catchers and needs a first baseman mm-hmm. or a DH mm-hmm. so he can draw in a catcher or something. Let the kids play, basically, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Tough to argue that. And you're right. There are there are some guys that are knocking on the door. We're going to see a lot of those guys, I think, uh, in the next you know season or two. You mentioned, like, Hilliard, um, things like that. Like, you could definitely see these guys getting a lot of playing time here sh- uh, shortly. Let's uh, get ready to wrap this thing up. We got one more quick little topic. This one we won't take too much long, uh, too much time on this one. Just kind of a quick little mid-season award. I just want to know from both of you guys. Give me your MVP. Give me your Cy Young, and give me your Rookie of the Year for each league. Just real quick, little wrap up here for us. Evan, go ahead and start. Uh, National League Cy Young is obviously going to be Jacob mm-hmm. Degrom. He's got an ERA of .54. He is pitching absolutely out of his mind there's no other even contender for first place in the national league right now uh rookie of the year is a little bit more tricky i don't really have off the top of my head someone who i can think of honestly yeah uh american league a little bit easier i would definitely say that their rookie of the year Right now, for me at least, is probably going to be uh, Adolis Garcia of the Texas Rangers. He's been just absolutely fabulous. I really, really like how he's been doing. He got his base hit in the All-Star game. That was really, really cool. Uh, The real question is, who's pitching well in the American League right now? Is it fair to say Shohei? Probably not. I don't think Shohei's necessarily at Cy Young level right now. Uh, honestly, one of the ones I'm looking at is probably Lance yeah, Lynn. Yeah, how about his comeback, huh? Uh, Lance Lynn's got an ERA of 1.99. He's been doing really, really well. Um, Garrett Cole is also up there, depending on how he finishes out the mm-hmm. season. But, honestly, you never know. The only one that I can absolutely say for certain is pretty much set in stone barring a catastrophic collapse in the second half is DeGrom yeah. for NL Cy Young. That's his. This is going this potentially going down as one of the greatest pitching seasons of all time. So it's pretty hard to argue with that yeah. as a pick for the Cy He has the potential to beat Bob Gibson's single season ERA record. That's like weird to even say out loud, isn't it? Like it doesn't even seem yeah. real. Which was which is what 1.62 yeah. and we're 80 games in. And he's got an ERA of under one. Unbelievable. Of almost under .5. Skyler, midseason awards, what you got? Okay, so for MVP in the National League, we've got one Fernando Tatis Jr. Sure. And then for the American League, I think it's Shohei Otani. Yeah? Uh, it's it's close between him and Vladdy, Vladdy Jr. But I think just everything that Otani's doing, really propelling – an Angels team, he's carrying that team without a without Mike Trout. You know, he's their number one pitcher, basically. He's their number one hitter. No, it, it's it, the things that Shohei's doing this season. He's the MVP in my eyes, even so far, and probably even at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, same with Cy Young, Degrom, and then, yeah, probably. Garrett Cole uh, for the American League. And then Rookie of the Year. I was just trying to – I had to look up a list of <laughs> people that were rookies because I never know. 
and last season like messed things up too because yes. guys still had their rookie status this year. Yes. Weird stuff. But yeah, Garcia for the Rangers in the American League. And then Trevor Rogers, who was uh, the uh an all star this year with Miami. Uh, he's been pitching really good. He's got a sub three ERA. Mm-hmm. One of the better pitchers for that Marlins team, so yeah, that's who I got so far. I like it. I think you guys are both spot on. Obviously, uh, we've had some pretty key injuries to guys like Mike Trout that would probably be in the conversation. I do think you guys are spot on. I will say the other name I'm going to toss that we haven't heard just yet is Liam Hendricks for the White Sox. He's been so critical for them in the back of their bullpen. I know giving a Cy Young to a reliever is always kind of a toss-up, but I really think that Liam Hendricks, uh, the foul-mouthed Australian, as Evan eloquently put it, uh, I think that he's been huge for them. I think he's made such a difference in the back end of their bullpen, especially on a team that's struggled in that area in the last couple seasons. Cool. We'll see how our predictions age at the end of the season. Um, I've been horrible at them all year, so I'm sure I will be very wrong. <laughs> Let's wrap this thing up. Thank you both, as always, uh, for this uh, discussion. We're going to have to see what goes down. There's been a lot of news coming out of the Rockies uh, for the trade deadline that is rapidly approaching, so make sure you keep your eyes on Purple Row. Uh, Skyler, where can they find you on Twitter? At sideline underscore crowd on the Twitters. I need more followers. Come see my stupid opinions. And check out his funny memes. Evan, where can our viewers find you on Twitter? At Evan underscore Lang27. Uh, you can also check out the official Affected by Altitude Twitter, which is at Altitude Effect. Excelente. And you can follow me at Cormac, C-O-R-M-A-C Battle Pro. Let me know what you think about the Rockies, and let me know what you think about Orange Cassidy, and uh, tell me all, your, all of our terrible opinions. I want to hear about them. Thank you guys, as always, for uh, hanging. Always great discussions, uh, and there's going to be many more going forward. So appreciate y'all both. Skylar, hit him with it. Farewell. <laughs> and we're out.